Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. He says, and this is the, our, uh, the Revised Standard Version, because I, I love how this is, is put this way. It says, and I pray that the, sh- the sharing of your faith may promote the knowledge of all the good that is ours in Christ. In other words, as you share your faith, it'll promote that love even more that you have for Christ. And when is your sharing, it's, it promotes something you realize, God, yours is so good. And you pray for somebody. Listen to this. Have you ever done this? You pray for somebody and they accept Christ and then you look at them and they're like, they're transforming right before your eyes. You're like, what? And the wow. Remember I told you this uh, would happen when I was at Calvary Costa Mesa? Remember the, remember the couple came up there from Boston and remember she had an anger problem and so the husband says, my wife needs prayer. She's got an anger problem. Remember that? And I look over, I, I kid you not, she was like, she just had this like, this, I'm like, wow, what's going on? I mean, talk about it. it's written all over your face. It was written all over her face. I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating him a little bit. She prayed to receive Christ. She wasn't a Christian. Her whole face changed and she started smiling. She was glowing. I was like, and I looked at them. I, said, I told the husband, I said, look at her. And he goes, Wow. <laughs> That the sharing of your faith may promote the knowledge of all the good that is, in, that is ours in Christ. As you share, it ministers to you. Amen? I love what the, the great evangelist Dwight L. Moody said. He says, when a man is filled with the word of God, you cannot keep him still. Isn't that true? When you're filled with the word of God, you're like, I need to tell somebody. That's what it should do. It should promote that in you. you. You receive the word. Just like Jeremiah. Remember, Jeremiah said, I'm not going to speak anymore for the Lord. I'm not going to do it. And it says it burned in his bones. He couldn't help himself. And that, if you're really taking in the word of God, and that's what he's saying, that you, you, you can't keep him still. And it says, if any man has got the word, he must speak or die. Because we need to get it out. How about this? I, someone said this. The church that does not evangelize will what? Fossilize. You don't evangelize, even personally, not just the church. If you're not evangelizing, you're going to become stagnant. You're going to become dead spiritually. You need to get it out. Amen? Sadly, the word of God today is not being taught in many churches. It's not being proclaimed. Yeah, they they do topical studies a lot, and they're just one verse or two verses, and they they take verses out of context. They they have their whole sermon just already made out, and then they throw verses in there to try to, to say what they're trying to say, even when it's out of context. That's not... What we're supposed to do. We're, just, we're supposed to interpret Scripture with what? Scripture. scripture. And sadly, a new Barna poll study shows that, check this out, only 12% of youth pastors and, and children's ministry pastors, 12% only have a, world, a Christian worldview. 12%. That's, that means 7 out of 8. 7 out of 8 do not have a Christian worldview. 7 out of 8. Why do you think we're so concerned here in this church? Uh, we're very busy. We don't really have extra time to do more things. But guess what? We're going to rescue as many kids as we can. Why? Because of this kind of stuff. Listen, by the age of 18 years old, typically a person, a child, when he, get, when he becomes 18 years old, pretty much studies show that by that time, pretty much their worldview is already set. It's already settled, what they believe, by 18 years old. 
And so the church should be interjecting in there and, and using the Bible to, to interject with truth, to, to combat the lies that are going on. But look at what's happening in our churches today. 12% only are combating that with truth, with a biblical worldview. That's, that's not good. And what happens when you take the Bible out of, out of the pulpit? It's disastrous. What happens when you take the Bible out of the schools like we've done already? It's disastrous. What happens when you take the Bible out of these universities? It's disastrous. Well, you might say, well, pastor, what are you talking about? What do you mean disaster? Well, what about this? This is what happens. So it says a man, 66-year-old man, says he was barred from donating blood after refusing to answer if he was pregnant. A man. Is this lunacy? Listen, when you take the Bible out, anything goes, Right? Let me read this to you. A 66-year-old Scottish man who has donated blood for years says he was turned away after refusing to answer if he was pregnant or had recently been pregnant. Guys can't get pregnant. I'm sorry. That's biblical. And they tell us, follow the science. But guys, this is sad. Why? Because this is what happens again when you take the word of God out. The church in Thessalonica, they were sounding out. They were sounding forth the word of God, the word of God. Why? Because it's truth. And when you don't have the word of God in a society, confusion comes and anything can happen. Okay, did you guys, how many saw this, this video, Pig or You? Can you raise your hand if you've seen this? Okay, only about three or four people. Check this out. This is children's books now. These for young children teaching abortion is safe. Abortion, no, follow the science, guys. These are real babies being murdered in the womb. There's, heart, there's a heartbeat there. They feel, they have feelings. We've already gone through this. And Lord, help us when we turn this around and we spin it in such a way where it sounds like, oh, no, no, no. The government has no right to intrude. Yeah, the government has no right to intrude on a woman's rights. I'll give you that, but it's not the woman. It's a, it's a baby. The DNA is different. It's a child. It's another life. And murder should always be against the law. Amen. But then you have good news like this. The Iowa Supreme Court rules abortion is not protected by the state constitution. That's awesome. Can we lord a hand for that, please? The Iowa Supreme Court on Friday cleared the way for lawmakers to severely limit or even ban abortions in the state, reversing a decision by the court just four years ago that guaranteed the right to abortion under the Iowa constitution. So that's what happens when truth is interjected. These things change. Let's look back. Next verse. So Paul continues to commend this young church, and he says, For they themselves, the people that he runs into, declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from, can we say that out loud, please? Idols. To do what? To serve the living and true God. So Paul is saying these people that I'm running into, they know that we were used mightily in your lives. Your testimony is going out. They, they realize you've, you're turning from idols. You're turning from terrible things. And you're turning to the living God, the true and living God. Uh, just a definition of idol. An idol can be anything, listen, that keeps you from having a full, devoted life in Christ. It could be a person. It could be a practice. It could be a career. It could be a hobby. It could be a mindset. Anything, listen, for Father's, for Father's Day. Guys, the best thing we can do is surrender everything to the Lord and allow him to be the center of everything. Anything that comes in the middle of that, it's an idol. And this church is an example. Listen, the church in Thessalonica, this is the early church. What do they do? They turn from those things. They turn from idols. Let me put a challenge out here to the fathers. 
Your role is so important in these children's lives. If there's an idol in your life, anything that's keeping you from a full, devoted life to Christ, in Christ Jesus, can I suggest that you destroy it, you give it to the Lord, you turn from it, and you start serving the Lord? It's so important in the days that we live in. And this is not a time, listen, this is not a time for compromise. In my morning devotion, I'm going through the book of Genesis and Revelation. And as I'm going through the book of Genesis, I'm reading about Jacob and how, how Jacob, in chapter 34, how just devastation took place in his family. Dinah, his daughter, got defiled, and then there was, it, brought, it brought death, and it was just so bad, so bad that finally the Lord spoke to Jacob. And what did he tell Jacob? Check this out. This is Genesis 35. It says, then God said to Jacob, arise and go to, can we say it out loud? Do you remember Bethel? Bethel was the place, listen guys, the place where Jacob first met the Lord. Where the Lord first met Jacob. It was, it was his first love. It was that place. He's saying, go back to that place. Go back to that place where I first met you. Go back there. And that's a good exhortation on Father's Day. Guys, let's go back to that place where we first met the Lord, where we first fell in love with God, our Father, our Heavenly Father, the one that forgives us and cleanses us and renews us. And so he's, asked, he's asking Jacob, go back to Bethel. Why? He says, and dwell there and make an altar to God. Put God first. Because your life's a mess. Your family's a mess. Who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household, don't miss this. He's, he's the head of the house. He's telling his household, these are grown-up kids. These are young kids. This is his grandkids. They're all a mess. Everything's out of control. But he tells his household and to all who were with him, he said, put away what? The foreign gods. Idols. He tells his whole family, that's it. As for me and my house, I'm going to start serving the Lord. This is a mess. Death is taking place. Uh, defilement is taking place. Let's, let's make a change. Let's get rid of this foreign stuff. Guys, I truly believe with all my heart, we are living in the last days. How many here believe that we're living in the last days? Every hand should be up right now. I don't see all hands, so let, we'll talk to the ones that don't have their hands up. We're living in the last of the last days. Let me give you this. We're living in the last hours, even into the last minutes. Jesus Christ can come at any time to rapture his church, to take us to be with him. We're going to look at that also. And there's a warning. There's a call that's going out. Let's get rid of foreign stuff. Let's get rid of anything that's coming between us and the Lord Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. So he tells his whole family, put away foreign gods that are among you. And can we say that out loud? Purify yourselves. And change your garments. Repentance. Be pure. Be holy. Get rid of that. Whatever the garments were, I don't know. They were probably dressed in the garments that were okay in that day, which was probably very seductive. Then let us arise and go to where? And I will make an altar there to God. He's telling his family, who answered me in the day that I was in distress and has been with me the way in which I've gone. So they gave Jacob, can we say it out loud, all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears. The earrings were pagan worship, part of the pagan worship. They had earrings that went along with their pagan worship to foreign gods. And they said, let's get rid of all this garbage. And Jacob hid them under the, what? Can we say it out loud? Terebinth tree, which was by Shechem. In other words, listen, they buried them. Interesting, a tree too, by the tree. Jesus Christ died on a cross. He died on a tree. He was nailed to the tree. And you and I, as believers, we can bury that, all that sin, anything that gets in the way, gets in the way of us having a full, devoted life in the Lord. Amen?
But what did they do? So they turned from idols, but they served the living God. They, they turned from things that were foreign and not right. They turned away from it. And this is very important, and I pray that we get this. They served the living God. They, they didn't just sit there idle. They started serving. And I believe it's so important that we keep busy about the work of the Lord. Why? Because if we don't, we can get in trouble. There's, do you know this? There's no such thing as a super Christian. You guys know that? I'm a super Christian. <laughs> Nothing can do anything to me. There's really no such thing as a super Christian. No, no, no. We can do all things through Christ that gives us our strength. And it's him that keeps us. But it's important. This is a a good example of what a church should look like. Turning away from the things of this world. Turning away from sin. Turning away from anything that can, can consume us and keep us away from a relationship, a full relationship with God. But then what? Keep busy with the things of the Lord. Back in Michigan, when I gave my life to Christ, October 1995, no one had to tell me to just, you go serve. I just did. We were meeting in a school, so I said, what do you need? What kind of help do you need? And so, you know, set up the chairs and, and uh, you know, put, up, put everything together, the sound system. Let's do whatever it takes. Let's, let's, and I was just like, just busy about the things of the Lord. Looking back, I'm like, wow, I could have gotten a lot of trouble if I wasn't so busy. Seriously. Fathers, stay busy about the things of God. Because listen, I'm going to challenge you. If you are not busy about the things of the Lord, you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. When you put him first and you serve the Lord by serving others, it helps tremendously. Because as someone once said, idle hands is the devil's playground. Jesus even said, if anyone, can we say that out loud, serves me, let him follow me. He's our example. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve Follow him. Follow his example. And where I am, there my what? Servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Father's, Father's Day, you want to be honored by God? You just keep serving the Lord. You ask him just to bless the work of your hands. Find out what your calling is, what what you've been called to do, and ask the Lord, God, use me to the fullest capacity. Amen? Galatians 5.13 goes great with this. It says, for you, brethren have been called to liberty. That's freedom. But do not use liberty or your freedom as an opportunity for the what? Flesh. In Christ Jesus, guess what? Because of Jesus Christ, I'm set free. I have such freedom. I'm not under the law. I'm under the grace of God. I can do whatever I want, whatever God calls me to do. So that freedom that you have, don't use that freedom for the flesh, but through love, do what? Serve one another. This doesn't just go for the men and for the, those that are fathers. This goes out to all of us. Let's serve each other. Let's be servants of all. This church, I'm not saying this because we're like, oh boy, we need to do a message for service. We need more servants. No, we've got a lot of servants. And thank you. I'm going to give the Lord a hand for all the servants that are here. Excellent. We do. I mean, they're serving. Like, I'm blown away how the, the Lord is just prompting people just to you know, serve in all different capacities. And it's a powerful thing. So it's not that. It's, this is the early church. This is what they did. And this is what we're called to do. So back in our text, last verse we're going to look at. And to wait for his son. So he's commending them that they're waiting for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the what? the wrath to come. It says to wait. This church, they weren't just sitting there like this, waiting for Jesus. It doesn't mean they were sitting there doing nothing. Why? We already saw they were serving the Lord. They were in service, right? The word wait does not mean that they were just sitting there doing nothing. That word means they were expecting. 
other words, they were expecting who? They were expecting the Lord from heaven. In other words, they were, they were watching and waiting for the Lord to come at any time. The early church was watching and waiting for Jesus Christ to come at any time. They, they had a life of expectancy. And fathers, for Father's Day, people that are here, you want to know what the early church looked like? Let me give you a, a visual. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming at any time. And listen, when you, when I, when we are putting our eyes on Jesus Christ, we're waiting for the return of Jesus Christ to come at any time. It's called the rapture of the church. When we're doing that, guess what? It helps us from not getting too busy with the things of this world. You're like, he's coming at any time. Wouldn't it be, listen to this, wouldn't it be awesome if the rapture happened right now? You've got your Bible on your lap. You're taking your notes like this, and all of a sudden you're like, Jesus. Jesus. What? Just reading about you. I believe we're close. This church, the early church, we're waiting. They're expecting. We spent much time on this in the past, so we won't spend any more time. I want to truly focus in on the rest of this, where it says, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. There's a wrath to come. It's called the time of tribulation, as I mentioned earlier. God will judge this world. You might say, Pastor, I don't believe that. Well, it's up to you to decide. I can just tell you what the Word of God says. He's not just judging one nation. He's not just judging a few countries. He's judging the whole world. Guys, I believe we're going through a testing time right now to wake up people's lives, to wake them up, to realize there's going to be a time where he's going to come and judge the whole world. My question to you, are you ready for the rapture of the church? You can only be ready through Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can save us. He's the only one that allow us to, be, to take us up, to deliver us from the wrath to come. We're told very clearly, and I know most of you know this already, 1 Thessalonians 5.9 said, For God did not appoint us to what? Wrath. Wouldn't that be terrible if in God's appointment book, it's, it has your name and it says appointment wrath? Not for the believer in Jesus Christ. God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? So it's not, we don't have an appointment with wrath. Wrath will hit this earth. Those that reject his free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, they will go through a time of tribulation, a judgment that's going to come upon the earth. Remember in Revelation, our scripture reading, this is, goes out to the church there in Philadelphia. It says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon what? The whole world. And test those who dwell on the earth. The whole world. He's telling this church, the, the, the loving church, the faithful church in Philadelphia, as he writes a letter to them, he says, you know, I'm going to keep you from this trial. I believe he's talking about the wrath of that'll come upon the earth. And you might say, well, pastor, wait, 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 wait. We went through the book of Revelation. We looked at Revelation chapter 6 to 19. We looked at the tribulation period. Wasn't the Antichrist, wasn't he the one that was creating all kinds of problems and, and, and the false prophet? And, and wasn't it Satan, the dragon? He was a part of all that? Yeah, they, they were all a part of it. But you know that it makes it very clear when the sixth seal goes out, this is the time of, of tribulation, when the sixth seal goes out, it says... There's going to be a huge earthquake. There's going to be devastation that's going to happen when that sixth seal opens up during the time of tribulation. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, commanders, mighty men, slave and free, all of them hid themselves in caves and in rocks and in mountains. And what did they say? And they said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the, can we say that together? The wrath of the lamb. Who's the lamb? Jesus. For the great day of his, what? Wrath has 
come and who is able to. Are you not grateful as a believer in Jesus Christ? We're not going to be a part of that. You can escape. You can escape through Jesus. Do I believe that Jesus Christ could come at any time? Yes. The early church was expecting him to come. I believe the things, the signs, the things that we've been seeing all point to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that means the rapture could be at any time. We've been looking at that for the last two years. All these signs, they seem to escalate. It's going faster and faster and faster. All these different things are all coming together all at the same time. One of the greatest things we can look at when we talk about the return of Jesus Christ is looking at the Middle East, looking at Israel. And have you guys seen this? That Israel and Egypt sign a gas export deal as Europe seeks Russia, Russia alternative. How many saw this already? Can you raise your hand? Wow, there should be more hands than that, but that's good. Guys, think through this with me for a minute. Okay, Israel is going to sell fuel to Europe. Who's been supplying fuel to Europe for decades upon decades? Russia. Do you think Russia's going to be happy about that? No, I don't think so. So they're looking for an alternative because the war that's going on over there in Europe, because what's happening in Ukraine. So they're, they're looking for alternatives. They signed, they just signed through Egypt. So Egypt also is in on this. So Israel and Egypt just signed a deal to export gas, natural gas to Europe till 2050. The Bible tells us that in the last days, there'll be a great war. It's called the Battle of Gog of Magog. And we know the players. We've talked about this. I'm, I'm kind of giving more detail for people that I, I'm not sure if you've heard this before. There's going to be a battle. It's a prophecy that will come to pass. It says that the three major players that are going to come and attack Israel from the north are Russia, Iran, and Turkey, right? They're going to attack from the north. The Bible says that God, though, will stand up for the nation of Israel. God will protect the nation of Israel. But it tells us that after the, when this happens, God is going to turn and pour out his spirit on the nation of Israel. So those are called the last days. I believe we're seeing this form, but it says something to us. It said Russia is going to be enticed, a jaw. They're, it's like, like it's, they're not even looking at Israel to attack Israel. But something's going to happen. It says it'll be like a hook in their jaw that's going to turn them towards that. And could this possibly be the hook in the jaw? We don't know, but look at what it also says in Ezekiel 38. It says they're going to come down to take plunder and to take booty. Do you think natural gas is a, a big deal? Oh, yeah. It sure is. So they're going to come down and attack. Is this Ezekiel 38 and 39? I believe, I'm not saying this is what's happening. I said, this could very well be the start of it. But you know what else excites me? Check this out. During the millennial kingdom, God says he will bless three nations. He's going to turn to not only Israel, but guess what? He's going to turn also to Egypt. And there's going to be Egypt, Assyria, and I'll put that up on the screen. God will bless them during the millennial kingdom. And we're seeing the start of Egypt turning with Israel. Do you know Israel and Egypt were enemies for a long time? Things have changed. And in that day, Israel will be one of the three, Egypt and Assyria, that's northern Iraq, will be a blessing in the midst of the land whom the Lord, listen, of hosts shall bless, saying, blessed is, can we say that out loud? Blessed is Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my, can we say that? So here we see all these different signs of things all coming together, and even this one piece of the puzzle that we've never even talked about, where Egypt is going to be one that will be blessed with Israel, and now we see in these days, they're joining forces together, and they're going to provide natural gas to Europe, whom Russia's been supplying for decades. Interesting days we're living in. Amen? Amen. Men, husbands, 
fathers, this is a time for all of us as believers to look up because our redemption draws near. There's a wrath that's coming. We can't stop it. You might be here today and say, can we pray real hard that that wrath doesn't come? No, it's written in the book of Revelation. You can't change it. God's wrath will come upon this world. We can't stop it, but we can escape it through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Joe, and I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. God bless you. You've been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. Our new location is at 4121 Warner Avenue in Huntington Beach at the beautiful Huntington Harbor Marina. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.